If you have your Bibles with you this morning, open them to Matthew chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 17. I decided to keep it close for us today. You won't have to do lots of flipping and looking around. Just Matthew chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 17. Now let me ask you guys a question. How many of you guys kept your resolutions from last year? Any of you? I didn't run a marathon last year. I completed my resolution. Um, so I'm feeling full of faith moving into this new year. How many of you guys have resolutions for 2016? Any of you? Yeah? How many of you have already failed in keeping your resolutions? One of the things I wanted to do this year was to help my children eat healthier because they're at that age where they only like things in nugget form. And I just know that cannot be good for your long-term health. And as the parent, I'm the one that's responsible for what they eat. So it's on me to make sure that they eat better. And on January 1st, the first day of this new resolution and this new future for my kids, Eason was running around in the house like a crazy man like he often does, and he slipped and fell and hit his head on a, a door that was open, and so split the scallop open, had to go take him to the ER, and it was right at dinner time, so we didn't get to eat, and then it's, you know, like 10 o'clock at night, and we're coming back home, and he's hungry, and, you know, he's had staples in his head, and he was a really brave guy about it, so we're like, all right, we'll get you something, what's open at 10? McDonald's. And so... <laughs> On January 1, we got home, and I remember sitting there. I had an Egg McMuffin in my hands. He's eating a McFlurry, and Anna has some fries, and I'm just like, we have already failed. Like, what is wrong with us? We couldn't even make it one day. I felt like Peter trying to pray with Jesus. Like, couldn't you even tarry with me for one hour? And so I've already failed in the resolution that I put in place there. And today we're beginning a new series called Seek. And the idea behind this is that there are things that we want to seek after this year. Now, for you, there are some things you've probably said, I want to eat better, because if you eat better, it's going to change your physical fitness. You'll have more longevity, a better quality of life. You will feel better. If you go to the gym and start working out for the next two weeks, it'll be pretty crazy and crowded, but after that, it should thin out pretty well for you. But if you do that, the idea is I want to have a better physique and better health for my long term. And those are all great things, and I recommend we all do those. But the most important thing that you can do this year, the most important resolution that you can make, is that in 2016, you are going to seek after God. Yeah. And you're going to seek His will yeah. for your life, for your yeah. family, for Radiant Church, for the city. Because that has the power not just to change your health, it has the power to change your life. Yeah. It has the power to change your destiny your family, your city, your workplace. It has the power to change the world when we decide that we are going to commit ourselves to seeking after God. And so every year, what we've been doing is a series called Seek to kick off the new year and to set the tone for what we're expecting out of that year. And this year is no different. And so we're going to begin with a, a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting to say, God, we want you. We're coming after you with everything inside of us. We want your will. We want to know your presence more greatly than we ever have before. And we're moving into it with expectation that it's going to really set the tone and lay the foundation for what we're going to see God do for the rest of this year. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, every year we have a different verse talking about seeking after God because there are a ton of them because it's God, something that God wants us to do. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is teaching on prayer, and he says this in verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, and that's not saying that you're a really bad person, it just means compared to God and how good he is, we look pretty bad in comparison. He's saying, though, if you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I love that verse. Does that get you fired up to want to go after God and to seek him out and to see the good gifts that he wants to give to you? This is a verse you hear used a lot when people are going into times of prayer because it's the motivation. It's like, hey, if we go after God, if we commit ourselves to seek after him, we are going to receive the things that we're seeking for. Now, this isn't meaning that you can say, God, I really want a Porsche this year. I'm going to seek after you, and I'm going to believe that I receive it. What it's talking about is he wants to give you good gifts. These are the things that God knows that you need. You do not need a Porsche. You may end up with one someday, but that's not because God was like, this is what you really need to complete your life. <laughs> you just got real lucky. Let's be honest about that. <laughs> but what God is saying is that there are good things that he has for you. Gifts like salvation. Gifts like freedom. Yeah. Life itself. Hope. Joy. Peace. All of the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. He wants to see your family come to know him and to walk in his ways. He wants to see you strengthened and to walk into the future that he has prepared you for. There are all sorts of good things that God wants to do in your life, but we have to seek after him for these things. One of the things Jesus says is you have not because you ask not. I want to know God's presence. In 2016, the thing that I'm looking for more than anything else is, God, I want to know you. Because you said in your scripture that you are our reward. You are our inheritance. That when we seek after you, we find you. And there is nothing more that I need in my life than a greater knowledge and a greater love for you and for who you are and a greater understanding of what it is that you've called me to do. So in 2016, I am all in. I am going after Jesus like I never have before. And I hope that all of you will join me in doing that. And Here's one of the things that I found is interesting. Have you ever come into a situation in your life where you know that this is a good thing that God wants to do, this is something that God has called us to pray for and to believe for, and you've been praying, you've been seeking after God, but you aren't getting it? If you're in those situations where you feel like there's some ingredient that's missing from your prayer life, or there's something that's not quite happening that needs to change. And this is something that the disciples uh, found themselves in. In Matthew chapter 17, we're reading a story about the disciples have been given the power to go out and to heal people and to cast out demons. This is one of the things that Jesus says, I'm giving you the authority to heal and to cast out demons. And so he sends them out all over, and they're going to different towns, and they're doing this. And they run into a situation where it doesn't go quite like they are used to it happening. And so in Matthew 17, verses 14 through 18, it says, At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Imagine the disciples like, hey, thanks for throwing me under the bus right there, buddy, in front of Jesus. And so Jesus said, you unbelieving and perverse people. Again, not quite what you'd expect Jesus to say to you. That's not on any bumper stickers at the Christian bookstore. He says, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. And Jesus says to them, you guys have two problems going on inside of your hearts. And these are two things that every single one of us struggles with. 
And the first one, he says, is that you are unbelieving. We're unbelieving. That means that there, we're doubters. There are times in our life where we come into a situation and we just don't have the faith in God and his ability to do something. And really, the reason that we are unbelieving is because we are disconnected from God. What it means is that we've come to the place where we don't have the relational closeness with God to believe him to do the things that he can do. We've grown distant from him, and we no longer spend the time encountering his glory, encountering his presence, and so our faith in what God's capable of doing and what it is that he is able to do begins to wane inside of us. That's what it means for us to be unbelieving, is that we are disconnected from God. And then he says that we are perverse. And that means that we are too connected to the world. And the things of the world and the ways of the world are beginning to influence us and shape the way that we view the world that's around us and what it is that God wants to do and what it is that God is capable of doing. So there's two problems. One is we aren't connected to God. And then secondly, we're too connected to the world that's around us and it begins to pollute us spiritually. And you guys have probably all had seasons in your life, maybe going through it right now, of where you feel really close to God and you're coming after him and you're in his presence and you're filled with faith. And then there are times where you feel disconnected from God. You aren't spending time in his presence and your faith begins to wane. And you've probably had times where you feel like you are so connected to God and the things of this world don't have any pull on your heart and the old temptations you used to deal with aren't temptations for you anymore that are strong or have any sway in your life. And then there are seasons where you feel very connected to the world and to the desires of your flesh. And it feels like no matter how badly you want to stop doing these things or turn away from them, they control you and you're unable to be connected to God and you're too connected to the things of this world. And then Jesus continues to speak to them about this. Because afterwards, the disciples want to know, hey, why is it that you were able to do this when we couldn't? Because you said we could do these sorts of things, but we weren't able to this time. And so in Matthew 17, verses 19 to 21, it says, Afterwards, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? And Jesus said, You don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And some of your Bibles, some translations include that last part, some don't, because what they think is that it was actually a reference to Mark chapter 9 that got thrown in there. So I didn't want to go to Mark chapter 9 because I wanted to keep it convenient for everybody to stay in Matthew. But what Jesus is coming to them and saying is that you guys weren't able to do this because you lacked faith. The unbelief and the perversion inside of your heart made it so that you didn't have faith to believe me for the things that I said that I was going to be able to do and the things that I told you you would be able to do. But Jesus doesn't just identify the problem for them, he also gives them the solution. He says that the only way that some things happen in this world is through prayer and through fasting. Now, prayer connects us to God. That's why he tells us that we need to pray. I think a lot of times we think that prayer is about, okay, I have to spend X amount of time praying before I'm going to see something happen in my life. Like I have to pray 50 pounds of prayer and then God's going to finally do it. But that's not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is that it connects us to our creator. It connects us to the one who has all power and all authority. 
And when we spend time connected with God, it changes who we are. It changes the way that we think. It changes the way that we view life and everything that's around us. And when you spend more time with someone, you grow closer to them. My wife and I, uh, when we were dating, the more time we spent with each other, the more we liked each other. And then eventually we loved each other. And then we decided we loved each other so much that we were going to get married and spend the rest of our lives together. And we got married, and the honeymoon is awesome because it's not real life. You're together 24-7, not having jobs or responsibilities or anything like that. So you come back from the honeymoon, and you are just as connected as you have ever been. And as long as you continue to spend time together, you continue to have a confidence in each other, a confidence in your relationship, and you are just golden. But what happens is if you begin to spend less time together, that connection doesn't stay the same. That connection begins to fade. Now what happened for Ann and I was we started working separate shifts. So I was working first shift and she was working second shift. And so there wasn't a lot of time for us to spend together anymore. And that connectedness that we used to have because the time that we spent together began to fade. And as we began to be disconnected from each other, we started to connect to other things. And for me, what happened was I became connected to the series Lost. My buddy was an extra on it in the final season, and he called me and he said, Jeremy, you've got to watch Lost next week. I'm going to be on it. And I'm like, what's Lost? He's like, are you kidding me, Germ? That's what he calls me when he's upset with me. He's like, Germ, what are you, you don't know what Lost is? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. He's like, it's a show. And I'm like, all right, well, what time's it on? I'll see you. He's like, no, you can't just watch it. You have to watch it from the beginning. I'm like, the beginning of the season? He's like, no, the beginning of the series. What are you talking about? And I'm like, well, how many seasons are there? And he says, this is the sixth one. And I was like, Denny, there is no way that I'm going to watch six seasons of Lost before you were on in a couple of weeks. <laughs> he's like, just watch the pilot and let me know what you think. And so my wife went to work because she was working second shift and I was home and I had my guitar and it was actually December 31st. I remember now very clear. It was New Year's Eve. I was home by myself. I got my guitar out to change some strings at about three o'clock in the afternoon and I threw on Netflix and I watched the first one and I was like, that was all right. And then I watched the next one and then the next one and then my wife was home. It was 1 a.m. and I was like, what just happened? And what happened was like, I got into this series and I watched the entire first season in two days. I got connected. And then I kept watching it and I kept watching it and I was able to watch every episode of Lost before my friend came on and then his scene ended up getting cut so it was all for nothing. But what <laughs> happened was like, I became connected to it and I'm sitting there and I'm dreaming Lost at night. I'm sitting there and I can even be in the presence of my wife with the few hours that we have together and instead of being connected and focused on her, my mind is somewhere else. I'm sitting there and she's telling me about her day and I'm like, what is that smoke monster? Is that real or not? And I'm like, those numbers, like 3, 16, 24, 32, like they're just going over and over in my head. And I was so connected to something else that I was unable to connect with her anymore. And that's why God tells us that we need to fast. Because fasting disconnects us from the things of the world that are around us. See, God doesn't want you to fast because he wants you to suffer. He isn't like, prove to me how spiritual you are by going through the day with great hunger pangs and stomach growlings that embarrass you as you're sitting in your cubicle. 
It's not if you suffer enough, then I'm going to move and to do something on your behalf. The reason why God calls us to fast is because there are things that we have become too connected to that inhibit us from being able to be connected to God. And the way that we break those connections is by fasting. So the way that we build our faith, the way that we overcome an unbelieving heart and a perverse heart is we come before God and we become people who fast and we pray. Because when we pray, we connect ourselves to God and our faith is built in Him and who He is as we're relationally connected to Him. And when we fast, we break those things that have been holding on to us. It allows us to disconnect from the fleshly desires that every one of us faces in our lives. And fasting is this incredible spiritual discipline that Jesus... um, commands us to do really that's that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand when you look at praying even people who aren't christians understand prayer but most people who are christians don't even understand what fasting is because it's a discipline that has really been lost in the western church but it was what was the fuel for the early church and jesus lays out his expectations for christians for the church as he's getting ready to depart and he's giving some final um advice and not advice that sounds so self-help he's giving some final commands to his believers and he says this in acts chapter 9 one day his disciples uh, of john the baptist came to jesus and asked him why don't your disciples fast like we do and the pharisees do and jesus replied do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom of course not but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast jesus is saying they're not fasting yet because i'm right here with them But someday, my physical presence will not be right here. And in that day, you guys are going to fast because you're going to need to disconnect from the world that's around you and relationally seek after me. And the early church took it seriously. In the early church, they all fasted Wednesdays and and Fridays, I believe, were the days. that It was just the common practice of the early church. Two days a week, we are fasting. And this is what happened as a result of that. In Acts chapter 13, verses 2 through 3, It says, one day as the men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So before this happens, they're praying and they're fasting because they know that God has called them to go out into the world and to preach the gospel. He knows that they are on a mission. Every one of them viewed themselves as a missionary, as a servant of Jesus Christ, and their primary calling in life was to be a missionary. And they know they're in way over their heads. So they are praying and they are fasting just like Jesus told them to do. And as a result of this prayer and fasting, God speaks to them. And God answers their prayer. What do they want? They want to be able to fulfill the mission. They want to go into the world and proclaim the good news. So in this season of prayer and fasting, God speaks to them and says, I want you to dedicate Paul and Barnabas to me so that they can go out and do the thing that I've called you to do and to do the thing that you have been praying and seeking after me to empower someone to do. And so what's the response to God's voice and his call? They pray and fast some more. And then after more prayer and fasting, they pray for Paul and Barnabas and send them out on their way, and they become the most dynamic, most effective missionary duo that the world has ever seen. Paul, the missionary trips that he went on, the churches that he planted, uh, he wrote most of our New Testament. Now, what if they hadn't been praying and fasting? Would they have heard God speak? I believe God was still going to speak this, but they wouldn't have been in a place where they would have heard God's voice. 
because they would have been too connected to the world that was around them. They wouldn't have been relationally close enough to God to be in the place of where they were positioning themselves to hear his voice speak to them. And then I don't think they would have been empowered and had the faith to believe that God was going to do the things that he did through Paul and through Barnabas and through so many other people. Prayer and fasting was the fuel and the engine of the early church. And when you look at the church around the world, it continues to be the prayer and the fuel for the expanding, growing, healthy church all across the world. Brother Abraham, I say this all the time, but it's because he tells me all the time. Everything that he's done, he always says, I'm a world's like, Brother Abraham, how did you do this? He's like, oh, Jeremy, I got a vision, I prayed, and I fasted. I'm like, that's it? Like, what, what was your five-year plan for this? What was your strategic partnerships, and, you know, how are you raising funds? He's like, I just prayed and fasted. That's what I did. And God provided. The reason that we in the Western church see ourselves so many times on the decline and see things so powerless and so dead and we go with so many unanswered prayers inside of our lives is because we haven't dedicated ourselves to pray and to fast and to seek after God and believe him for the things that he has called us to do. And if we want to see God do things like what we read about in the Bible, if we want to see God do the things that we see him doing in the nations that are on fire and where the church is expanding and growing, we need to get back to doing the things that God has commanded us to do and to doing the things that show time and time again bring about the godly results that we have been seeking after. But it's going to mean that we're going to have to pray and we're going to have to fast. And here's one of the things that is so interesting about prayer and fasting is humans are, we're unique because we're spiritual and we're physical. When you look at a tree, you see this is clearly a physical body to this thing, but it's not spiritual. I'm sorry, guys, I don't think trees go to heaven when they die. Uh, if any of you are really attached, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But humans, we are spiritual. So there are competing physical and spiritual desires that are going on inside of us. Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 8 in a beautiful way. And he says that the desires of the Spirit are to do the godly, pleasing things that God has called us to, but the desires of the flesh are opposed to those. And in your life, either the desire and power of the Spirit or the desires and the power of the flesh will win out and have domination in your life. You're either going to serve the desires of the Spirit or you're going to deserve the desires of the flesh. And for me, one of my things that I fight in the flesh all the time is I love food. If you follow any of my social media stuff, a lot of pictures of food, a lot of excitement about new kitchen gadgets that I have. Uh, last week you heard me talk about wanting a $10,000 knife. I mean, I love food. It is a stronghold in my life. When I'm happy, I eat. When I'm sad, I eat. When I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm not hungry, it still sounds good. I just like food. It is the desire of my flesh. I call him King Tummy, and he is powerful. <laughs> he barks out commands, and I obey. Uh, one of my favorite things right now is I love triple fudge brownie ice cream. Oh, it is good. It is so good. And yesterday, my wife was grocery shopping. I'm like, can you get something sugary for me? She's like, no, you know, you've got to take care of your pancreas. It's got to last what you have left. And I'm like, oh, fine. Can you at least give me some triple fudge brownies? And she's like, okay. <laughs> and so, like last night, I'm thinking, like, I have a fast coming up. I need to get all of this in that I can right now. <laughs> but what fasting does is it forces me to have to say, King Tummy, you are being dethroned. You are not the one who's in charge of my life. Your desires are no longer going to govern the way that I live. 
I'm going to go after the desires of the Spirit. And when I do that, a beautiful thing happens. My flesh is weakened and my spirit is strengthened. Now, we all have different things where our flesh is appealing to us. For some people, it might be food, like me. You struggle in that area. It might be that you have pride issues, greed issues, lust issues, anger issues, whatever it is. You, I mean, all of us have many different areas where our flesh has desires that we want to serve. And they are completely opposite of the things that God has called us to do. And the only way that you're going to break the power of those physical desires in your life is to disconnect from them through fasting. People say, well, if I deal with lust, why is it that I need to fast something like food? Because food isn't my issue. Well, the thing is, is that we all need to eat. That is a desire for all of us. When you go a certain amount of time, your stomach will let you know it's hungry. Or if you're doing something like a Daniel fast, you're eating fruits and vegetables. You can eat a lot of fruits and vegetables if you're like me, and they never leave you satisfied. I'm always like, I wish you were meat. I don't like you. I'm eating you because I need to, but I don't like you. And I'm never satisfied. Um, when I do these 21 days where I'm eating fruits and vegetables, let me tell you what. That 21 days, I have never once felt good after I ate. The whole time, I was like, I need a steak right now. If I just had a steak, I, everything in the world would be right. There might be world peace. People would hold hands sing Kumbaya if I just had a steak right now. But what I do is I make my flesh submit. And if you can learn to deny the physical desire for foods inside of your life through fasting, then you can develop the power to say no to lust, to say no to greed, to say no to materialism. Because you learn that you give your spirit dominion in your life and you say, flesh, you don't have control over me anymore. I'm going to weaken your power in my life and I'm going to strengthen the power of the Holy Spirit inside of my life. That's why we pray and that's why we fast. You know, when we were getting ready to start Radiant Church, for one year before we moved here, there were seven of us who gathered every Tuesday night for about three hours in the upper room at Radiant Church in Richland, Michigan for one year before we came here. And we would just go there and we would dream. We had a big whiteboard and we would write out prayers for this city, for the things that we needed. Because we know we're going to need jobs, we need houses and things like that to live in when we get there. We're going to need to meet people because you can't start a church with just seven people. We're going to need a, a bigger team to be able to do this. We're going to need uh, these things. We said, God, one of the big things we prayed for was, God, would you save marriages? Would you reconcile marriages and work forgiveness inside of them? God, would you do miraculous healings? Jesus, would you bring salvation? Would you bring freedom and peace? We had all of these things written on the board, and we would gather together for a year before we moved here, and we would pray and we would cry and weep for this city and ask God to do something miraculous here and to build a strong and powerful church that would change the nations. And for one year, with prayer and with fasting, we did this. And then we got to Radiant Church Ann Arbor. And, Radiant Church, not Radiant, we got to Ann Arbor. <laughs> Radiant Church wasn't there yet. And we met people that we had no business meeting. And like just the God connections that he brought us people to form a team. And we got together every Sunday night. We'd cast vision of what we were going to do. And Mike would play his guitar and we'd just sing worship songs. We would pray and we would weep and we would fast. And when we came finally to launch day, about two years after we started praying, 35 people made decisions to follow Jesus on that first day. And we said that was worth it. Two years of fasting and praying and believing God. Because what happened was, was as we fasted and prayed, our faith grew in who God was and what he would be able to do. 
It went from hoping that God would do these things to knowing without a doubt these are the things that our God is going to do because it is his will and he is able. And we disconnected ourselves from all the things that would cause doubt inside of our lives and pollute us and pollute our faith and weaken that. And we've seen marriages reconciled and saved. We have seen incredible, miraculous healings. We've seen people come to know Jesus, people being sent out into different things. And this is just the beginning of what it is. And that's why it's so important that we gather as a church again and say, God, we're so grateful for everything you've done here, for the church that you've already built. But there are still hundreds of thousands of people in our county that are far from you. And we're not going to rest because we know that we all have an eternal destiny. And I cannot accept that people will die and that they will go to hell and have a Christless eternity as long as there is breath inside of this body and as long as our God has the ability to save. And I'm going to dedicate my life. This is a place where I will live. I will die someday in this town. And I'm going to lay everything out for this city. But my power in and of itself is not enough. I need the power of God to make that happen. There are things that I need God to do inside of my family inside of me, inside of this church. There are things around this world that need to happen. And that's why we're a people who have to pray and we have to fast. And so we're going into 21 days from January 10th to January 31st, where as a church, we're going to come together corporately to pray and to fast and be inside of prayer groups. And as we're getting ready for this season of prayer and fasting, these are the things that we need to do. Is number one, you need to set your objective. Why are we praying? Why are we fasting? For me, it's because I need to declare my dependence on God. The things that God wants to do in me, through me, through us, are things that I'm not able to do. The things I want to see God do in my family, I can't make happen. I am completely and utterly dependent upon God and his power to see him move. Because in me, my best efforts, I can't do anything. But God, he speaks one word. And he speaks things that were not into existence. I need to seek after God. I need his presence inside of my life. I want to know him more intimately than I ever have before. I want to seek after him and pray and fast because I need to repent because December is the most materialistic, gluttonous month of the entire year. There are things I have eaten and done to my body and selfish desires I have pursued that I'm like, God, we need to get back to square one and I need to seek after you. I need to refocus on the eternal because what happens is it's so easy to focus on things that don't matter. I don't want to admit to how many bowl games I watched this weekend with my kids. Oh, my goodness. Football, we think football is so important. You have no idea how good I felt watching Michigan win. I was like, ah. You have no idea how bad my Michigan State friends felt when they were, like, texting me afterwards, and they felt terrible because they lost. For 34 years that I've been alive, I felt terrible because the Lions are terrible. Like, why does football seem so important to us? And some of you are like, football, who cares? Well, for a lot of people, we think politics are so important to us. We're coming into the primary season, and everybody's all excited or concerned and everything else. Look, football and politics, they're not as important as we think they are. And we put our heart and our attention and our focus on those things way too much, and we need to refocus on God, on the eternal, on the one who really has power to bring about change inside of this world. And then we also need to pray uh, for specific needs. You need to go into your prayer closet with a list of the things that you are specifically seeking after for God. And for us as a church, you got one of those little prayer points cards as you came in. Here are the things that we're seeking after corporately as a church. Is number one, the presence of God. Because it says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
All of the things that we want to see God do inside of Radiant Church and through Radiant Church are only going to happen through the presence of God. We want to see his presence increase. We want more anointing on our teaching, on our kids' ministry, over worship, over his... I hope when people come in, there's such an anointing on our greeters that people feel the acceptance and the welcoming and the love of Christ inside of them. I want there to be just a thick presence where people come in and they hear God speak to them and their life is changed miraculously in that one moment where God speaks to them and reveals himself to him. We need an increase of God's presence. And he said, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. In Revelation, it talks about how Jesus is the one who walks amongst the churches. We want to welcome him. We want to seek after him. We want an increase of his presence. And then secondly, we're praying for plus one. And that's the idea where every seat is filled because the presence of God has been thick and he's there in power to change lives. And there are so many people that are coming to have their lives changed by God that it's so full that someone comes in, there's not a seat for them and one of us has to get up and give our seat to them so they can sit down and be ministered to by God. We're praying that God would bring us and fill this place. It's incredible to see the growth every single year and what God is doing, but until every person has the opportunity to hear the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, we're not going to stop, and we're going to pray for this theater to be filled. And then when this theater is filled, we're going to pray for a building. And actually, we're going to pray for that right now because there have been some days where we are getting blown out. And there is also a need for the things that we want to do inside of our community where we're just going to need a building of our own. And so we'll be praying, God, provide a building for us, a place where thousands of people will come to know you, a place that is a light that draws people to your presence where we're able to minister the gospel and to see you bring freedom and forever life change into the hearts of people. And be praying for provision, that God would bring us the finances and also the people that we need to be able to handle the growth that the ministry and the church is going to go through. Uh, God's the one that says he has all the cattle on all the hills. He is the one that made all the gold. So I don't, I'm not the kind of guy that says we need to beat up the congregation and say we need to do pledges and giving drives and all that stuff. We will each t- always teach biblical stewardship, but I'm going to go to God. And I'm going to say, God, you're the one that I'm going to ask to give us our provision because it's, it's so easy for you. And then lastly, for the leadership of the church, as we need your wisdom. Not your wisdom, I'm so sorry. We need God's wisdom. We need your prayers so that God would give us wisdom, that he would give us vision, that he would continue to draw our hearts closer to him. And this is the thing. So many people don't pray for their pastors. Guys, please, if there's one thing that you ever do for me, pray for me. If you don't like me, that should be easy. God, do something in that terrible man's heart. If you love me, pray for me. If you're lukewarm, pray that God would either make you love me or hate me, so you'll pray for me either way. But I, as your leader, and the other leaders of Radiant Church, and going down to our kids' ministry and everybody, we need God to continue to build us, to strengthen us, and to give us his wisdom, his vision, his plan for everything that he has called us to. And then on the back of your card, you will see there's a place for your prayer points. I'd encourage you this week, be saying, God, what are the things that you're calling me to believe you for? What are the things that I need you to see, to see you do inside of my life? Maybe for you, it's, God, I need your strength. I need your provision. I need wisdom for a situation. I need someone that you love and are close to. You need to see them come to know Jesus for your marriage, for a healing, for whatever it might be. But there are things that God will speak to you, good things that he wants to do. There are good gifts that our good Father wants to give you that we need to seek after him for. So put those things down there. And then finally, there are group prayer points. 
And those are, I hope every one of you gets involved in one of our prayer groups that will be going. Um, and you can sign up for those at Radiant82.com or at the Seek table. But it's just for four weeks, we're going to gather together in the different groups that are hosting in people's homes over different nights. And we're going to learn more about prayer. And we're going to go after God and seek him corporately for these things. And that's a place where you can write down some of the things that other people in your group are believing for. So you can intercede and pray for them. I encourage you, take that little thing, it's a bookmark size, throw it in your Bible, put it on your desk, pin it to your refrigerator, wherever it is, so that every day when you go and you pray, you have a list of the things that you're praying for. And then number two is decide when you will pray. Have you guys ever had an old friend that you see and you haven't seen in a long time, like, hey, we really should get together sometime, and then you never do, because you never make an appointment? You can have the best intentions, but unless you have an appointment, you will never get together with that person. And it's the same for us with prayer. You can have all the desire in, in the, all of the world to want to pray every day, but if you don't schedule out an appointment where you say, God, this is the time that I'm spending with you to pray and to seek after you, it won't happen. So for me, it's 6 a.m. every day. I'm going to spend time seeking after God. And I don't like getting up that early, but it's worth it. To see God do the things that we need him to do, it's worth waking up early or staying up late or taking your lunch break uh, as a quiet time, whatever it is. But find that time where for 21 days you have a scheduled appointment to pray and to seek after God. And then number three is decide what type of fast you will do. At the seek table we have a, a fasting guide and you can grab one of those and it's also online um, at radiant82.com, and it walks through what some of the different types of fasts are. Some people might do a water fast, where you're just going to drink water. Some might do a juice fast. Uh, some of you will do a Daniel fast, which is where you just eat fruits and vegetables. And some might do a comfort fast, which is where you say, God, I'm going to give up TV or, or some social media or whatever it is, something that has a hold on your heart and is keeping you from being able to connect to God. And I encourage you to pray through that, look at the card, figure out what kind of fast it is that God has called you to do, and then commit to doing that for 21 days. And then number four, expect results. Isaiah 58 um, is a whole chapter about fasting and what's going to happen when the people of God fast. And it says this in verses 8 through 9, If they fast, it says, Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Yeah. When we fast, we can expect three things to happen. Number one, your healing will come. Some of you need healing in a marriage or in a relationship. Some of you need healing over your mind or emotions. Some of you need healing in the physical. But, Jesus, or, but God says through this that when you fast rightly and you come after me, you will receive the good gifts that God has for you. And then secondly, it says that your righteousness will go before you. That means that right, that right standing that you have with God, it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. What it means is that you're going to be in the right that you are going to be holy, which means that you're set apart for God, for his uses, for his purposes. And then thirdly, it says that you will call on the Lord and he will answer you. And then finally, number five, praise God for the results. When God answers the prayer and he gives you the thing that you've been seeking after according to his will, and praise God for that. Share that with people. 
And I'm encouraging you guys, when God answers your prayers, when he does one of these things, uh, shoot me an email, a phone call, whatever it is, but we want to know what God's doing because we want to be able to share that with the congregation so that we can thank God and so that we can build our faith together. And uh, most importantly, just God is so worthy of our praise. So we're going to do that. We're going to come after him. We're going to seek after him. And when he provides, we are going to thank him and we are going to praise him forever for that. So send us an email at info at radianta2.com. Let us know what it is that God is doing because we want to celebrate that with you. We're out of time, so why don't you guys stand with me? Every week, we want to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you want us to do with this? How is it that we're supposed to respond in this situation? So I encourage you guys, let's just close our eyes and take a moment. Let's seek after God right now together. I encourage you to ask this, are there things in your life that you need to disconnect from? Are there some things that you need to fast for to break their power and their hold over your life? Do you need to have a deeper connection with God so that your faith can be built? And are there things that you need to see God do that are so important and so worth it that you're willing to pray and to fast so that you can see them happen? people you know that need Jesus. Something done inside of your family. Something done in our church in this city. Some emotional, mental, physical, relational healing that you need. Is there something so important that you're willing to commit for 21 days to pray and to fast for? If that's you this morning, I encourage you, before the Lord now, would you just raise your hand as a way of saying, God, I want you I want all that you have to provide for me, God. I commit to coming after you. God, there is nothing that's going to stop me. I'm going to pursue you. I am going to seek after you because you have the things that I need and I know that when I seek you, I'm going to find you. Thank you. Thank you so many people. Jesus, we thank you that you are the God who delights in giving good gifts to your people. Father, we pray now that you would cause faith to be stirred up inside of our hearts. Jesus, that there would be a resolution inside of us, that there would be perseverance, that no matter what comes our way, we're going to come after you. Jesus, we pray that you would miraculously move amongst us to provide for every need for every person whose hand is raised. God, would you stir up a faith in us that cannot be shaken. Jesus, we're coming after you because our city is so desperately in need of your touch. God, our city is so in need of knowing that there is a God who loves, that there is a God who saves, that there is a God who provides, and that there is a plan and a purpose and a calling on every life. Jesus, we pray that you would work repentance in every heart. Jesus, we pray that you would continue to miraculously answer the prayers of your people. Jesus, we thank you ahead of time for the things that we know you are going to do. And God, we pray that as a people, you would draw us together, that in this season of prayer and fasting and seeking after you, God, that you would do something new inside of our hearts, that you would do something new inside of Radiant Church, and that you would propel us into the fullness of everything that you have called us to do, God. We submit our flesh, and we turn to you, and we seek after you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.